Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash ProductiveConvo. That's two free weeks at onepasswordcom slash productive convo. Again, onepasswordcom slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepasswordcom slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter uplift desk a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work and that's just the beginning of what uplift desk has to offer with an emphasis on ergonomics and customization uplift desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals whether you're coding designing or podcasting like i am right now the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's up 
liftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Hi, it's me, Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist Podcast. Over the next several weeks, I'm going to be posting some bonus content just to give you a little bit more to listen to, some insights, some ideas, some information for me, and it's all archival content for my three minutes of time crafting podcast that I did in 2018 and 2019. So what you're going to hear is the beginnings and the endings of those episodes. So these are largely unedited, but each of these episodes can be listened to as you see fit, you know, whether you want to listen to them all at once, whether you want to kind of make your way through them slowly but surely, but they're each three minutes long. So you can kind of have this daily uh, dose of productivity uh, every single day uh, over the next several weeks. I'm doing this as a bit of an experiment. And if you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. Email me at podcast at productivityist.com and let me know your thoughts. I really want to make sure that I'm offering value. And I think that there's a lot of really great nuggets in these episodes. So stick around and I hope you enjoy this bonus episode of the Productivity is Podcast featuring the episodes that I published in March of 2018 of my Three Minutes of Time Crafting podcast. See you later. Here are your Three Minutes of Time Crafting for March 7th, 2018 with me, Mike Vardy. Last week, I attended two conferences in San Diego, Traffic and Conversion and Social Media Marketing World. I attend plenty of conferences and I can give one piece of advice that can apply to most, if not all of them. Get the virtual ticket if you can. When it comes to in-person conferences, I believe that the magic is in the middle, meaning that in-between sessions or outside of them altogether is where a lot of the opportunities for you will lie. I made a point of attending sessions about 33% of the time while I spent the rest roaming the convention floors and having breaks with friends and colleagues I hadn't seen offline in ages. You can watch or listen to the sessions anytime, you can't say the same for getting FaceTime with people in person. So get the virtual ticket. You'll be glad you did. Now in app news, MetaLab has just released a new look and feel to their project management tool, Flow. Flow was first released in 2011 and it's evolved over the years into a fantastic, albeit a bit pricey for some, team productivity solution. Flow took top spot on Product Hunt in its category when word got out about the facelift it received, and I've got a bit of a soft spot for Flow as it's developed here in my hometown of Victoria, BC, Canada. So I wanted to shine a bit of a spotlight on it. Now, some of the newness that Flow offers includes a completely redesigned interface, a new projects dashboard, and new resource management features to help you view and balance your entire team or company's workload for the week, month, and beyond. Now, if you want to give Flow a test drive, head over to its product hunt page, Upvote it if you have an account, and then go to getflow.com and apply the promo code that they are offering right on the Product Hunt website. Finally, this week I adopted a new way to tackle my administrative tasks. What I've done is eliminated administrative day altogether, and that was on Tuesdays for me, and I've created three horizontal themes that run throughout my week. From 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. every day, I go into what I call maintenance mode, which covers all of my shallow work tasks like administrative tasks and other low-hanging fruit. From 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. every day, I'm going to dive into making mode, which is when I'll write and craft things. And then from 10 p.m. until midnight, I'll shift into musing mode, where I will brainstorm, plan, reflect, and journal before heading off to bed. 
I chose those slots based on my body clock, and you may want to give them a try based on your own body clock and see how they work. I'll keep you posted on how they work for me over the weeks ahead here on the show, as well as in my weekly email, The Dailies. Now, if you want to get The Dailies, which is my weekly digest email crafted by yours truly, then go to productivityist.com slash get the dailies and subscribe today. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Three Minutes of Time Crafting. See you later. Here are your three minutes of time crafting for March 8th, 2018 with me, Mike Vardy. Task switching can be a real time suck, and new research proves it, at least when it comes to switching apps. In its findings, Ring Central says that 69% of employees reported spending up to one hour a day going back and forth between apps. That amounts to 32 days over the course of a year. According to an article at Ladders, which I'll link to in the show notes, Site Research, who gathered the data on behalf of Ring Central, surveyed 2,000 knowledge workers in the US, Australia, and the UK. But the article dives deeper into these findings as well. Some of the other findings include that 68% toggle between apps up to 10 times an hour, 56% find searching for information in different apps disruptive, and 31% have lost their train of thought while navigating between apps. Now, this is something that I want to dive into a little bit deeper and maybe offer some insights in terms of how you can avoid some of this, even if your workplace has a plethora of apps that you're dealing with on a daily basis. One of the best things you can do to help avoid this interruption of thought and the distractions that moving from app to app can cause is to batch your tasks by mode. I call this mode-based work. And there are five categories of mode-based work that I talk about over at the Productivityist blog. And if you want more insights and details on how to work by mode, then I'll link to some relevant articles in the show notes. The category that this falls into would be resource-based modes. So we're talking about the different apps that you're using. So what you should do is as much as possible Take a look at your tasks and organize them by the resource that you need in order to complete them. So for example, if you're using Gmail as your email provider, rather than go back and forth between Gmail and Google Docs and whatever other apps you're using, look at your tasks by the mode that they are categorized in. So take a look at all the tasks that require you to go into Gmail and work on them at once rather than go back and forth. Same thing if you're going to work in Microsoft Excel or Google Docs. Look at all the tasks that require you to go into any of these apps and do them while you're in those apps. This will put you into that ever elusive state of flow and keep you from switching from task to task as often as you might be doing now. Now, one of the other findings of this survey is that email tends to dominate the workplace conversation realm. So if you're not already using a tool like Slack or completing conversations inside of your project management tool, then you might want to start considering that because email is great for external conversations coming in from outside of your team, but it's better to have something internal like Slack or your task management tool or your project management tool for your team to separate the internal conversations from the external ones. You need that kind of certainty, and it will help with your productivity. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Three Minutes of Time Crafting. See you later. Here are your three minutes of time crafting for March 9th, 2018 with me, Mike Vardy. Yesterday, I shared my first show note link 
with you. And it wasn't from my company website. It was from the website Ladders. I also shared some other links with you, but I'm afraid this platform doesn't handle links very well. So if you want to ever get a source for a story from me or external links, just email me at askmike at productivityist.com and reference the date of the show and I'll get you whatever links you need. Now, if you are looking for some other great insights on productivity, I do recommend you read Ladders regularly. The content that Ladders delivers is exceptional in this space, and it has been a mainstay in my RSS app for as long as I can remember. Another great resource is Quartz, so you should check them out as well. There are so many great stories at both of these sites that listing them would be a massive undertaking and apparently not at all fruitful, so just Google both of these sites with the word productivity and you'll be on your way. I've spent a lot of time on crowdfunding sites, and one of the devices I found there was a Bluetooth sign that you put on your desk to indicate if you were available or not. It was meant for an open office environment, so I understand it may have a target market in that space, but for those of us who have a door we can close, I have long suggested that you get a do not disturb sign for your door. It turns out NBC News has a story about an agency that decided to put the idea of do not disturb signs into practice as well. The article also reveals other ideas they implemented, so I recommend you check out that link. Go to the NBC News story and look up Do Not Disturb, or again, email me at askmike at productivityist.com, and I'll send it off your way. That said, I'd like to encourage you to create your own Do Not Disturb boundary if you can. Mine's simple. Number one, if my door is open, knock first, then step on in. Number two, if my door is closed and there is no Do Not Disturb sign on it, knock first. I'll respond if I'm willing and able. I most often am. And number three, if my door is closed, I'm either with a client or recording a podcast, like this one. Now, if my son at four years old could follow that set of rules, then so can your much older work colleagues. The key here is to start setting boundaries in a small way. Perhaps using the do not disturb sign is the way you can do that. Maybe not, and you need to find something different or smaller. But once you put that boundary in place, no matter its size, you need to respect it or you cannot expect anyone else to respect it. That's why I use a scheduling link for all of my calendar appointments. It gives me boundaries. It's up to me to let it do its job and not circumvent it by scheduling appointments without using it. You can use a free tool like Calendly to do this or go bigger, like with what I use, Acuity Scheduling. Again, email me at askmike at productivityist.com if you want to know more about how these scheduling services work and get other recommendations from me. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of 3 Minutes of Timecrafting. See you later. Here are your 3 Minutes of Timecrafting for March 10th, 2018 with me, Mike Vardy. Tomorrow, people all over the world will be springing forward as part of daylight saving time. But in Florida, lawmakers are working towards making sure this is the last time that's going to happen in that state. In an article that I discovered at CNN, the idea to shift away from springing forward or falling back was something that Florida state lawmakers were more than happy to bring to the table. And not only that, take to task. Because in less than one minute, the Florida State Senate passed the Sunshine Protection Act, a bill that will keep daylight saving time a year-long affair. If the bill gets through its final stages of approval, then Florida will join Hawaii and Arizona as places that are exempt from the Uniform Time Act of 1966. Now, I believe the reasons for shifting between daylight saving and standard time aren't as critical as they once were, if they ever were, and the negative effects when shifting to daylight saving time are well 
documented. The following Monday, workers show up for work exhausted due to one less hour of sleep, and car crashes and heart attacks spike as people find the adjustment of their body clocks a real challenge. Now, in an article from Health.com, four sleep experts have shared tips to help people adjust to the change in a way that makes it easier to deal with. One of the big pieces of advice is to not change your waking time, even if it means you're going to lose an hour of sleep in the process. I'll be doing that, and I'm a night owl, meaning I'll go to bed at 1 a.m. and still get up at 8 a.m., even if it really is 7 a.m. in my head. Now, Michael J. Bruce, who I've had as a guest on my weekly program, The Productivities Podcast, suggests that you should make the transition slowly, going to bed incrementally earlier every night leading up to the change. He says that you can space the incremental changes over the course of a week if you want, but I think you could also go to bed 15 minutes early for four nights leading up to the change if that works better for you. No matter how you deal with daylight saving time, and remember, it's daylight saving time, not daylight savings time, I think the key is to listen to your body clock as much as possible throughout the process. If you can arrange a later start to your workday on Monday to help you adjust, then that would be ideal. I'll be doing that myself on Monday, a full hour. If you can't make a full hour work, then try for half of that. Any amount of time is better than no amount of time, right? All that said, don't forget, if you live in a region where you are supposed to set your clocks ahead an hour before you go to bed, do that. It may be ridiculous, but if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. So this is your reminder. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of 3 Minutes of Time Crafting. See you later. Here are your 3 Minutes of Time Crafting for March 11th, 2018, with me, Mike Vardy. I want you to take a moment to look at a calendar. You know, a paper-based one. One of the first things you'll notice is that the first day of the week isn't Monday. It's Sunday. So why is Monday considered the beginning of the week then? Why can't it be Sunday? What if you could go into Monday with less of a sense of burden and in a more relaxed and open state of mind? What if you could have already accomplished some of the things that were really important to you by the time Monday arrived? Well, you can. Just start treating Sunday as the first day of the week, and it will not only improve your Mondays, but it will improve your week as a whole. So, how do you get started? Well, let's get back to the calendar. While paper-based calendars generally start on Sundays, calendar options like Google Calendar and native apps such as iCal allow you to make Mondays the first day of the week. You've likely enabled this, but now you have to go back into each application and change it back. It'll take some time if you've got a lot of calendaring apps, both online and off, on the go, but doing the work now will go a long way to shifting your mindset going forward. Whether your actual work week starts on a Monday or not, I strongly encourage you to make Sundays the first day in your calendar apps. Now that you've shaken up things in your calendars, it's time to shake them up in your workflow. Most people will see that Sundays are quite open when it comes to work, so start to move some of the items that are set aside for Monday to Sunday. If you work from home, this is going to be a fairly painless process, but if you don't, you may have to do some further tweaking. You may want to go so far as to ask your superiors if you could start working Sunday through Thursday rather than the usual Monday through Friday routine. In some cases, this won't be possible based on your role at the office, the type of business you're in, or even family reasons. But if none of those obstacles stand in your way, give it a shot. 
There are plenty of avenues to take when pitching this idea. You can pitch that Sundays would be very productive for you because of the lack of distractions in the workplace. Your flow won't get interrupted, and that's going to boost your productivity significantly just on its own. You can also mention that Mondays will be more productive for you by virtue of handling some of the usual Monday tasks on Sunday. This could serve to make you a huge asset to have in the workplace on Mondays. While others are struggling to get going, you've already put a day's worth of work in. Ask if you can try it for a month and see where it leads. A shift like this allows you to get really clear on what you're doing, how you're doing it, and most notably, when you're doing it. By starting your work week on Sunday, you're going to notice other things that you can fine-tune about your work. The focus generated by Sunday will carry over throughout much of the week and impact the quantity and quality of your output for the better. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of 3 Minutes of Time Crafting. See you later. Here are your 3 Minutes of Time Crafting for March 12th, 2018 with me, Mike Vardy. I've been seeing an ad in my Facebook feed quite frequently lately. It's from Todoist. The approach that they are taking is that they are targeting Wonderlist users. They are saying that Wonderlist is going away soon, and they aren't wrong, but they aren't exactly right either. Wonderlist is transforming into Microsoft To Do. So while the app isn't going to be the same, it's not going away. That said, advertisements like this definitely have people who are using. That said, advertisements like this can give pause to people who are actually using apps put a bit of fear into them. They start to think about switching to another app, and when that happens, questions start to arise. And as a productivity strategist, I often get asked this question, what app should I use to help me be more productive? And I have a simple answer. I don't know. Now, when people ask that question, they'll look at me quizzically and remind me that I'm someone that should know what app they should use. I mean, I'm the expert, right? But here's the thing. Everyone's work style is different. Everyone's proficiency with apps is different. Everyone's needs are different. So in order to even begin to recommend an app, I need to know more about the person asking the question. Sometimes a simple to-do list app will do the trick. Sometimes a habit tracking app is enough because they tend to trust their paper-based workflow for their tasks. Sometimes a paper planner is the app they will be able to use best. I can't possibly suggest what app they use until they give me more to go on. And even then, I'll exercise caution. If you're stuck and not moving things forward as much as you'd like, or perhaps not moving the right things forward, you need to step away from the app you're using to get some perspective. That doesn't mean abandon the app altogether. It means you need to evaluate it from a vantage point that doesn't have you immersed in it. When you decide to step away from your app, whether you're changing apps or not, I suggest you step away for no more than a week. Like me, use paper in the interim, or something simple like the notes apps included with most computers and mobile devices. Make note of what gets done and what doesn't, and then make a point of really figuring out your needs and looking at what solutions will help you propel things forward better. Not sure what to ask? Try these questions. What platform or device do I use the most to achieve objectives? A computer? A mobile device? Paper? Do I need something that needs to be connected to the internet all the time or only occasionally? Do I need something that will grow with me as I become more proficient and deal with more complex projects? No app alone can help you with your efficiency and effectiveness. Sometimes you need to step away from the app you're using to see if you can go without it and still make things happen. In other cases, you need to find something more suitable to do your work even better than before. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of 3 Minutes of Time Crafting. See you later.
Here are your three minutes of time crafting for March 13th, 2018 with me, Mike Barty. Yesterday I talked about focusing on the approach you take with your time management as opposed to the app you would use to facilitate that approach. Today I want to dive a bit deeper into the idea of tweaking your approach as opposed to fiddling with it, because there is a difference. Now as of late I have been tweaking my daily themes as well as adding some horizontal themes to the mix. I've discussed this at length over at the Productivityist blog in the last couple of weeks, and I made these changes to make sure that nothing really fell through the cracks, and I did it also so that I'm able to help out those that need my help throughout the week, my family, my clients, and my audience as a whole. Now, to give you some insights as to what I've done is basically I have eliminated Tuesday's daily theme, which was administrative tasks, and have spread my administrative tasks throughout the week in a horizontal theme under a term I call maintaining. The other thing I've done is I've added video to the mix on Tuesday, separating it from the audio video day that used to exist on Wednesdays. So now my focus on Tuesdays, my emphasis, is to work on video, while on Wednesdays I will focus on audio. The other thing I've done is I've added two other horizontal themes. So I have the maintaining mode, which I talked about earlier, which is my low-hanging fruit or administrative tasks that go across every day of the week from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., Then I have what I call making mode from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. because that's the time of day that I'm best suited to be making things. And then from 10 p.m. until midnight, I've got musing mode, which is when I'll do planning and reflecting and journaling and all that sort of stuff before I head off to bed for the night. Fiddling generally involves avoiding the things you need to do rather than work towards making those things happen. You wind up getting caught up and have to play catch up as a result. An example would be mucking around with the features in your apps for the sake of doing so even if that compromises the time you have to actually do what's in those apps. Now, if you're being honest, I'm sure you can think of more times when you fiddled with your workflow rather than tweaked it. I know I can think of some. Switching to-do list apps, anyone? Tweaking is making changes that are necessary in order to better optimize your situation. In this case, my ability to shift between work mode and life mode, or to be able to add these horizontal themes to the mix so that they get my focus during those times of day. Another example of that would be finding a way to work within the apps you already have to make them work better for you. In a nutshell, tweaking is making changes for the sake of progress, while fiddling is making changes for the sake of change. Big difference. By tweaking the right things at the right time, they can all feed each other in a way that makes you more efficient and effective. Proper tweaking makes things better, both directly and indirectly. There's no such thing as proper fiddling, but it sure can impact things both directly and indirectly. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of 3 Minutes of Time Crafting. See you later. Here are your 3 Minutes of Time Crafting for March 14th, 2018 with me, Mike Vardy. Now today is... Pi Day, P-I Day, and the reason that March 14th is Pi Day is because it's the third month and the 14th day, and the number that begins with 3.14, it just makes sense for March 14th to be Pi Day. It's also Albert Einstein's birthday, but what's interesting about Pi Day, and I want to get into math here a little bit, productivity math specifically, today is actually National Pi Day. It's a designated resolution. It's a a holiday uh, of sorts. Um, The U.S. House of Representatives passed this in in 2009, and the the whole idea was to encourage schools and educators to observe the day with appropriate activities that teach students about pi and engage them about the study of mathematics. So I'm about to do that for you with productivity now. So think about it this way. Whenever you subtract something from your plate 
or from your to-do list, your opportunities for the remainder multiply so you can move things around on the plate. That is a classic case of addition through subtraction. Subtraction and division are the keys to productivity. You remove things either through completion, delegation, or deletion. Fractions are also important when it comes to productivity math because you parse things down as far as they will go until you get to the lowest common denominator. Ultimately, what you are striving for is the lowest common denominator. So when we're talking about this, we're talking about looking at a task and really understanding if it is a task or if it's a project that needs to be broken down into smaller tasks. Multiplication happens far too often when it comes to productivity, and unlike with addition where you can keep track of how things are totaling up easier, doing so with multiplication is far more taxing and difficult to keep up with. Ratios are the same, sort of. So let's be honest, would you rather face 2 to 1 odds or 20 to 1 odds? Well, if you are the 1 in that ratio, then keeping tabs on two things is far easier, and the quality of those things will be far better. Zero is where many folks want their email inbox count to be, but unless you work at getting the stuff in your inboxes down to zero, then just going after inbox zero gets you next to nothing, which can actually wind up being less than zero if you're not careful. Now, that may sound confusing, but ultimately what I'm trying to say there is that your quest for inbox zero is all well and good as long as you deal with each number along the way in an appropriate fashion. So the goal is not necessarily to get to zero for the sake of getting to zero, It's to make sure that there's really nothing left untouched or undecided in your inbox, not so much that your email count is down to zero. So there's a little bit of productivity math for you today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this bit of tongue-in-cheek episode. I'm going to probably dive into each more of these as time goes by beyond National Pie Day. And by the way, enjoy a piece of pie today. That's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of 3 Minutes of Timecrafting. See you later.